We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This week on the Garage Beers Podcast, it is episode number 186, and this week we have the radio voice of the Cleveland Cavaliers on their opening week to talk about the Cavs, to preview the team, and to preview the league. We've got Tim Alcorn coming on to talk all things NBA+. Plus. We talk about the Cleveland Browns, their win over the Colts, and their upcoming game against the Seahawks. We talk about the Buckeyes. We do some NBA trivia and so much more. So coming up the driveway, unfold your favorite lawn chair, crack open a cold one, and join us for Garage Beers. What is going on, everybody? It is Tuesday night. It is 9 p.m. It is the OBR streaming network, and it means it could only be one thing. It is time for Garage Beers Live. Welcome on into episode 186 of the Garage Beers podcast here live tonight on the OBR streaming network. Make sure you follow the Garage Beers on all the socials, the Garage Beers on Twitter and Instagram and it's TikTok season. Chad's doing his post-game Blue Jackets recaps, which you got double duty tonight, Chad. You got to get after that because the Blue Jackets are playing. Starting tomorrow, we got a drink and a Cavaliers recap making its way back to TikTok. So make sure you follow us on all the socials as uh, as we're busy over there. And also make sure you are following the OBR on all the socials. The OBR is the oldest and largest Browns independent site in this the uh, Cleveland area. And then Tuesday nights, they let us loose, and we can talk about whatever we want, including tonight, an amazing to- topic because it is, it's Cavalier season. It is Cavalier season. It starts tomorrow, and we've got an amazing guest joining us in just a little bit. So make sure you're following the OBR. Make sure you're following uh, Garage Beers. With you, as always, I'm your host, Michael Keefe. You will notice there's two of us tonight. Again, Joe just kind of in the middle of a real busy time in his life. And so Joe not with us tonight. I know Chad's making faces. As he should, as he should. Joe should get all the faces made at him, for sure. Uh, but make sure you follow Joey at Garage Beers Joe. Anyways, joining me tonight over on the east side of Cleveland, my co-host, Chad Meyer at Garage Beers. Chad, what's up, Chad? How are you? I'm good, man. I'm, I'm good. I'm here, and I'm good. I got, uh, I, I, I've got news. I come bearing news. So I've got, uh, in honor of basketball season starting tomorrow, well, for the Cavs at least. Yeah. Wait, no, Cavs start Thursday, right? No, they start it's tomorrow. Thursday. It's tomorrow. Uh, it's tomorrow. It's tomorrow. Well, no, I know the season starts tomorrow, but I thought the Cavs' first game was Thursday. <laughs> no, right? the season starts tonight, my man. The oh, Lakers tonight. and that's, right. that's the playing Cavs tonight. That's Cavs right. Gotcha. Uh, but in honor of basketball, don't season, break. Don't try to break my heart like that. I'm ready. Take it easy. I'm uh, not. 
What? You know, after tonight, you're not going to pay much attention to him until Brown season is over anyway. Whatever. (laughs) Uh, No, but I got my garbage can, like, caddy corner to my table here. It's probably about a a 10-footer. I've been 0 for my last seven uh, beer caps uh, (laughs) making, but I I broke that streak tonight. I'm proud to announce I've broken that streak tonight. Uh, I've started something new. I'm, I'm one for one. So I'm, I'm starting, I'm starting over. Here we are. Right. I finally, I, I broke it. I made it. All right. You can't Shaq, know you can't. The shack of bottle cap free throws is, is, is no more. There's no more. You can know how truly, a, how truly good a good thing is without experiencing how bad a bad thing can be. And Damn Chad right. knows a good thing. Now he started a streak. Don't you mess it up. Don't Damn you mess right. it up. I want to know every week. I want Man, every I week. An update. Too. I'm a righty. Maybe that's your problem. I've seen you what? golf. You should try that left-handed too. Maybe I needed, maybe I needed to pull a TT and just switch to the left hand. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we're ready for a good time. If you're joining us live here tonight, first of all, if you're not joining us live here tonight, if you're listening to us on wherever you get your podcasts, Apple and Spotify and all that, thank you for your support. If you're joining us tonight, be like Heather in the comments who just said, what's up? What's up, Heather? Glad hey, you're here. Girl. Glad you're here. Be hey, like our buddy Heather. Brad Ward. Be like our buddy Brad Ward comes and hangs out with us on Tuesday nights. Make sure you hang out. Make sure you hang out with Brad Ward on Thursday night on All Eyes on Cleveland. Uh, Jump in the comments. Our guest, we're going to bring him in in just one second here. If you want to ask questions, if you want to join the conversation, if you're joining us live here tonight, make sure you are a part of the conversation. Jump in the comments. If you're watching us on Twitter, remember that we can't see the comments there. So if you want to join the show in the comments, jump over to YouTube, jump over to Twitch, and join in all the fun. Now it's time to bring in our special guest. He's been waiting patiently in the background. And uh, this is fun because this was our very first ever special guest on the Garage Beers podcast. I told you we're at episode 186. On episode three, this man was our first ever special guest. This is a guy that Chad and I go way back with uh, and just one of the all-around good guys, which means it was very special for all of us when that all-around good guy got named the radio voice of the Cleveland Cavaliers. He is uh, just one of the best overall guys and one of the best to do it in the NBA, brings so much life to the radio broadcast for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Let's bring him in right now. It's Tim Alcorn. Tim, welcome back to the Garage Beers podcast. Where where else would I rather be than with (laughs) you two right now? Although, according to Chad, the NBA season for me starts in 48 hours. No, Chad. No, when you have a guest coming on, you should at least know when the game well, is going to be played, Chad. Well, all know, that guidance, all that mentoring, all that advice I gave you. Did I ever nothing. know? Chad, if you have a guest, make sure you know when they're working. T- T- Tim, you might, Tim, for me, you might as well be on the plane to Brooklyn right now, okay? <laughs> so. <laughs> No, great to be with you guys. As you said, we go back a long, long way. Uh, Medina County football doesn't have better spokesmen than you two. I mean, what you do on the Medina County matchup every Friday night on the stream on WEOL.com. When I'm on the road, especially when we get into playoff basketball or playoff football, I'm going to be listening. You guys do an awesome, awesome job as the voices of Medina County football. All right, Buckeye and Sandusky this I week. Know, Let's go. Game. Let's yep. go. I got to tell you, I got to tell you, Tim, I think it's so cool that you stay, you know, you dedicated so much of your life to WEOL. And if you're not from specifically the west side of Cleveland, Elyria out here, 
you maybe don't even know about WEOL, but WEOL, a really great local radio station, still going strong over here in the Lorraine County, Western Cuyahoga County, Medina County area. You dedicated so much of your life to, to just getting that radio station to where it was by the time you had left. Uh, you gave us great opportunities to come do what we, Chad and I always dream of just being radio play-by-play -play and, and color guys. And that's what we get to do every Friday during the, the season. Chad does know it's, it's Friday, right? That it's Friday when you're playing. Yeah, when Tim doesn't show up to the game tomorrow, his boss can be like, where are you at? Tim's going to be like, Chad told me it was Thursday. <laughs> I was on garage beers and I got confused. <laughs> uh and it's, it's shocking, too, because all that – and Sean's making comments about it in the comments. All that mentorship, Tim, I, I've never seen anything actually go over Chad's head. That's impressive that that actually was able to happen. Uh, the fact that you go back – Tim, you still go back and do football games. Mm -hmm. And you still go back and get to some basketball games, even though that's kind of hard with the schedule. <laughs> and, and, and you still get to high school events. I, th I think it's so – you know, I don't, I don't know. You haven't changed. You're still the same Tim Alcorn we know. But I think it's so cool that those kids get to just be like, yeah, you know who called their game today? The radio voice of the Cavs. Like, that's awesome. So it's cool that you still go out and do the high school games. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I think high school sports is awesome. That's what Heck I yeah. think is awesome. Yeah. To watch kids at that level play for the love of the game and at the athletic ability level that they play it with. I mean, I'm amazed by the what? mental toughness and the physical skills that these kids have. I was amazed when I was working at WEOL, and I still am now. So, and to me, I mean, you guys know it. You're out there every Friday night on the Medina County matchup. There is nothing, and I mean nothing, like high school football on a Friday night. Yeah. I mean, yeah. just the aura of it, the, the smell of the field, even though there's not a lot of grass fields left, but yeah. uh, just just that sound, you know, the bands and the cheerleaders and the crowd. And uh, it's the same for high school basketball. Don't get me wrong. I mean, hey, I got an awesome gig. I love doing Cavalier basketball. But, you know, you walk <laughs> into with a you high school here. basketball gym, you know, the pep band and the cheerleaders and, you know, all, yeah. the, all the community has come out to root for their guys and girls and girls basketball. I mean... There's nothing like it. I'll never stop doing it as long as WEOL keeps asking me to do some games here and there. I'll be back. I have a feeling they're going to keep asking. And we have one of those natural grass fields this Friday at Buckeye. So I there can't wait. <laughs> yeah, so excited. All right, so, Tim, we brought you in. We could talk all this whole time about high school uh, sports, but we brought you in to talk about the Cavaliers. Your, your season is starting uh, tomorrow. So before we talk about the Cavaliers, though, you know what the show is called. It's called Garage Beers for a reason. That's because we bring in special guests like you, and we drink a beer, and we talk about sports. And so now it's time for us to get into our Garage Beers of the Week. Now, Tim, are you in the hotel then? I am. And you know what? I, I'm in Brooklyn. I'm in the hotel. We got in this afternoon. I wish I was home because my sons are both into the the different kinds of beers. I could have oh, nice. pointed the camera at the shelf in the garage and they've got them all stacked up all over the place. But unfortunately here in the hotel, I've got water. Is what I got. You didn't get into <laughs> the right. mini bar. No mini bar, Tim. Come on. Chad, have you ever looked at the bill? Once you get <laughs> into true. the mini That's bar true. at a hotel, <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Why do the cabs aren't loading you guys up with buckets of beer in the room? What's going on here? <laughs> but so what are you I know two enjoying putting... tonight? Have, have you two announced what you're having yet? Not yet. Well, you're having a preseason water. We'll send it over to Chad. What are you drinking? Well, Mike told me about this last week. I had it last week, and Mike was like, you should have saved it uh, for this week. Uh, so I, I went and I got a six-pack of it. 
uh, in honor of uh, Tim Alcorn coming on this week, I went and got a six or a blue moon. Oh, so I'm just gonna. Go. I'm, I grabbed a blue six or a blue moon, and I'm having it in honor of a Cavs uh, season preview night here on Garage Beers, and having Tim on. So let's have a blue moon. Cheers, guys. There you go. Blue moon. There you go. Yeah, let's go. Just a couple shout outs in the comments. Illyrian native who now lives in Southern Ohio, Heather, not drinking a beer, but a smoked Manhattan. Can't go wrong with that. Can't go wrong with that. Joe Mannix, a Phoenix staple church music IPA. Gotta love that. Shout out to Joe. Let us know what you're drinking. Get in the comments. Uh, I didn't know this. Brad Ward, also born in Illyria. What's up, Brad? Uh, so we got some people drinking some beers, some drinks with us in the comments. If you're drinking one, post it there. I, uh, it's been too long, Chad. It's been too long. I've been so into the seasonal kicks that it's been too long. So I had to go back to just the heavy, crazy IPAs. Oh boy. And nobody in Cleveland makes them better than Masthead Brewing. And that's not to put anybody in Cleveland down, but Masthead does the best IPAs in all of Cleveland. This is called Surprise Transfer. It is, and you ready for this, Chad? A New England style double IPA, and it is double dry hopped. Oh, yeah. Ooh. It is. Yeah, we're it into is. that season now, Tim. I mean, if it's, 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 it can never just be a plain and simple IPA with Mike. It's got to be double dry hop, double barrel aged, bourbon <laughs> infused, uh, juicy IPA. It's always, it, it's always some long drawn out thing with him. Look at that. Look at that. It's so light that you can't even see the Garage Beers logo in the glass. <laughs> look at that look at that it's Jeez. delicious it's delicious i will say i was with chad recently for remember chad puts on a little bit of a face here on this show everybody i was with chad recently and he ordered a beer and he ordered an ipa chad yeah. ordered an ipa i saw it happen i saw it happen to be fair i just did one of these yeah okay <laughs> i like give me that one oh whatever he did it on yeah. anyways yeah. what did hammy have last week by the way i saw you had tom hamilton on I, you know, Hammy didn't have a beverage. He was with the grandkids. So, okay. uh, oh God, it's the best. It's, you know, you know, what, Hammy. you know, him. it's the best. What would he have, Tim? You know him. What would he have if he was going to have a beverage? <laughs> I've heard that his beverage on the plane, when he gets on the plane after a game, sits down and they're flying to the next city, cores on ice. Ooh, okay. Atta boy. Okay. All right, Hammy. Glassing up the cold so, mountains. So there you go. You got your scoop on Hammy's beer <laughs> on the team plane. Okay. I'm asking him about that next time. I'm asking him about cores on ice. But don't tell him who your source is. <laughs> yeah, no, this isn't public. So no way he could find out, Tim. No way he could find out. This is just this is a private chat between there three you go. friends. Just the three of us here. That's it. Uh, those are our garage beers of the week. I see some. I see Stella. Uh, somebody's uh, oh, Serge is drinking pine cone juice. That's fine. Uh, keep putting yours in the comments, but those are our garage beers of the week. Cheers to you guys. Cheers to everybody joining us. And let's get into why you are here, Tim Elkhorn. And that is the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, it's been, you've now been through the media, uh, media day and situation there. You've been through the preseason you've gone through and you've seen this Cavaliers team. Just talk a little bit about, well, let's throw it back. Actually, Tim, let's start by throwing it back. Okay. The last time we saw the Cleveland Cavaliers, they were playing the New York Knicks. In the postseason, they had come off a 51-win season, one of the most fun Cavalier seasons in recent history. Uh, they they go play the New York Knicks, and the next the Knicks get real physical with them, and kind of had that feeling. If you guys will remember that 2009 series against the Orlando Magic, where you kind of felt like the Cavs should win that series, 
but the Magic played out of their minds, and and they played every way that the Cavs weren't quite ready for them to play. That's kind of what the Knicks did to the Cavaliers in the postseason, and the Knicks really kind of dominated the series to knock the Cavaliers out of the postseason. Uh, Chad, what are you shaking your head about? I don't know. I, I think I remember that. Was that was that the series that Rashard Lewis just made and Hito Turco, Turkey Glue just made every single three <laughs> they put up? Yes. Yeah. And and Dwight Howard had like 47 blocks yeah, a game. It felt, it, like was, they couldn't, it, was, it felt like they couldn't miss no matter where they put up a shot from. Yeah. Jameer Nelson was Bob Cousy all of a sudden. Like it was just it was wild. It was wild. All right. Sorry. Uh, but just kind of talk about Tim. You were around. You were around the franchise. You were on the team a little bit after after they took that loss. Just talk about what your experience was from just kind of the vibe, the feel of the guys after they had lost that playoff series and, and as they headed into the postseason, at a point they didn't really want to do that. Yeah, a lot to unpack there. So first of all, uh, anybody that looking back as the Cavs went into that series thought, ah, oh, the Cavs are going to win this series easily. Uh, they were flat dead wrong. Uh, that was a tough matchup. Uh, historically, the 4-5 matchup in the first round of the playoffs are the two evenly matched teams within the conference, eight versus one, two, seven, three, six, four, five. So uh, that was the 4-5 matchup. So just on paper, uh, it was a tough matchup. The Cavs had had a tough time with the Knicks during the season. And, and Mike, I'll disagree with you a little bit here. I don't think the Knicks did anything that the Cavs weren't expecting. In fact, I think the Knicks did everything that the Cavaliers were anticipating uh Tom Thibodeau is a great defensive coach and he basically and when you get into a seven game series everything gets put under the microscope I mean it is game by game literally possession by possession type of coaching and game management and uh Tom Thibodeau uh, his resume speaks for itself as far as that is concerned uh, especially a defensive minded coach in playoff basketball so uh, he put together a game plan that I don't think the Cavaliers were surprised about. Uh, he was going to dare the Cavaliers to hit outside shots. Uh, and the Cavaliers did not do that. And going into the postseason, uh, that was the concern with the Cavalier team. They just didn't have that consistent outside presence. They didn't have that long ball threat. So uh, Tom Thibodeau, realizing that, said, we're going to pack the defense in. Uh, you mentioned the physical part of the series. Uh, New York was a team that could match up with the Cavaliers, with big guys, uh, with Julius Randle and, of course, Mitchell Robinson. And so they got physical, they packed the defense in, and the Cavs didn't respond. So disappointing? Absolutely. Uh, like I said, anybody that thought the Cavs were going to steamroll, the Knicks were mistaken. That being said, uh, it was a disappointing way to go out. Uh, when you get knocked out in five games and uh, and the Knicks certainly dominated the series. Uh, there's no doubt about that. So yeah, I think it fueled the guys and I think it motivated the guys during the offseason. Uh, and it certainly motivated the front office because they addressed the needs. They saw what happened in that New York series and said, OK, this is a work in progress. We don't need to blow this roster up, but we certainly need to look at what happened in that Knicks series and say, okay, how did the Knicks beat us in five? What did they do? And once they saw that, and they saw it during the series, it really didn't take a, a whole big expanded post-mortem. Uh, we got to get some shooting. <laughs> and we got to get some guys that can bang in that block. And so that's what the Cavaliers did. And I think uh, it leads to high expectations 
as far as this coming season is concerned. Now, Tim, you know, you talked about it. And last time we went out to lunch, right? You said, so what do you think the Cavs need to do this? You know, and, and I said, you know, I don't care who they go and get, but one of their attributes need to be great scorer, can shoot from anywhere, can, can put the ball in the basket. And that's exactly what they did going and getting Max Struess. And what Mike says is one of the greatest nicknames in all of sports, the minivan. So, <laughs> it's like, it might be the best nickname in all of sports. Niang. So, I mean, talk about their additions and, and, and what exactly they're going to bring to this team. Well, two very shrewd moves uh, by the Cavaliers yeah. during the off season. There's no doubt about that. As I said, uh, it didn't take long to figure out uh, in the autopsy of the Knicks series, what had happened. They needed outside shooting. So they go out and get a guy like Max Struess. And of course, uh, Miami goes all the way to the NBA finals last year. Max Struess started in every one of those playoff games and every one of Miami's playoff games uh, the season before. Uh, so he's got playoff moxie. He's got experience, but he also is a guy that can hit that outside shot. So they covered that uh, with the acquisition of Max Struess, of course, the sign and trade with Miami. Then they get another complimentary piece with outside shooting in George Niang, the uh, the minivan, as uh, as oh, Mike on. alluded to. The uh, I, Mike, you know the story behind that. It comes from Utah when he was with Donovan Mitchell. So uh, he right. said Donovan Mitchell played like a Ferrari, and he was more like a minivan. <laughs> but uh, George Niang, after playing in Utah, uh, goes on to Philly and, again, knocks down long balls for Doc Rivers and that Philadelphia 76er team, and he is a career 40%-plus three-point shooter. So two shrewd moves. Uh, they, they saw the need. They addressed the need. And so you bring in guys like Struess and Niang, uh, who not only can fill it from the outside, they're going to knock down three balls. But as I mentioned, uh, with Struess and with George, you've got guys that have been through playoff battles. And for the Cavaliers to have experienced that first best-of-seven series against the Knicks at Madison Square Garden, for guys like Garland and Mobley and Okoro, I yeah. mean, that was a eye-opening experience. I'm a 60-year-old play-by-play guy, and I was in awe of what was happening there just as far as the environment. I mean, I'm telling you guys, and I'm not exaggerating, I'm not being hyperbolic here, you could feel that building move. I mean, it was a vibrating arena. It was so loud, and it was intimidating. So for the guys to get their very first taste of playoff basketball in a situation like that, uh, they needed to learn. I mean, anybody that's ever been through anything difficult, uh, you may fall down a few times before you succeed. And for the Cavaliers, those young guys got a real taste of what playoff basketball is about. Well, now you bring in a guy like Struess and a guy like Niang. Struess last year in the NBA Finals. Niang has gone deep into the playoffs with Philly and before that with Utah. So they know what it's like to go into that type of environment. We haven't even mentioned Tristan Thompson. He comes back. He's another veteran guy that the Cavs can kind of learn from, and he'll mentor these young players to say, hey, young fellas, this is what it takes to win when you get to that level. So Struess and Niang and Tristan, uh, those type of guys, they address the needs, but it's also great lockership leadership 
or locker room, excuse me, locker room leadership uh, that the Cavaliers have brought on board. Now, just to piggyback off of that, right? You know, you mentioned T. I'm glad you mentioned Tristan because that's what's going to be my next question. Because, yes, Tristan um, obviously traditionally doesn't bring much from a scoring standpoint, but he does. He bring a, He does bring a physical presence inside. Uh, whatever whatever minutes he's going to play, I don't know if he's going to play ten minutes a night or if he's going to be like in the Channing Fry role. But he does bring a, you know a physical presence to this Cavalier basketball team, and you know, and because. So my next question was like, you know, Donovan Mitchell and Jared Allen didn't exactly have the best series in that next series. Right. So how do these acquisitions, these veteran, this, this veteran experience, this playoff experience, laden signings in Struess, Nyang and uh, Tristan, how is that going to help guys like Jared Allen, Evan Mobley and Donovan Mitchell? Because it's going to create more space. So if you're the, if you're the defense going up against the Cavaliers, you have to, stretch you have to go out and defend the wing you have to honor the three ball threats of Struess and Niang when he's on the floor and it's not that complicated because once you stretch the defense you know if they could have done that to the Knicks last year or last April if they could have stretched them out now it gives Donovan and DG more room to get to the bucket they don't need a whole lot more room you know basketball literally to steal a phrase from another sport can be a game of inches. And if you give Donovan another six inches to a foot to 18 inches to widen that lane, just a little bit where that defender has moved out. Donovan's a very physical player. He can shoot it, but he likes to take it to the basket. Well, that was all clogged up against the Knicks. He couldn't do it because they had collapsed everything. So that's how it will help Donovan Mitchell. That's how it's going to help Darius Garland. And even those low block guys, Chad, Again, if you're getting the ball in the low block, but you have nowhere to go, yeah. you know, it doesn't matter how good your footwork is or whatever, uh, it, everything gets clogged up. So when you add wing shooters, and the NBA is a three-ball league now, when you add those wing guys and force that defense, it's like a rubber band, force it to go out a little bit, mm-hmm. that opens everything up in the middle. And for guys like DG and Donovan who like to take it to the basket, now they can either go up strong or dish because again, the, the defender has to say, is he going to kick it for a three ball or is he going to dish to an Evan or a Jared Allen? So that defender can't automatically collapse to the middle because DG or Donovan will kick it out. Or if they stay out there, they'll either go strong to the basket or deal to either J- Jared or Evan. Uh, a couple things, Tim, first of all, if you, if you haven't yet, I would love it. If you came up with a really good, uh, minivan, like signature call. Oh yeah! If, if you haven't done that yet, uh, you got time. You got overnight. You're sitting in a hotel. You're by yourself. Yeah. The minivan's got to have a signature like, call. Like if he has, uh, a great, like if he has a great assist. Like oh, he opened the automatic side door and, and, and threw the ball out. I don't know. Say <laughs> so if you could throw an Oldsmobile silhouette reference into there or something, just like let's really get after it. Uh, it would be great to see. It's a great, it's the greatest nickname. Uh, I want to talk about real quick. I want to go back to first of all. I think what you said about the Knicks and the arena. I, I, you know, I think we're, we're so prone and so we like to not like New York fans. We like to not like New York and and what it is. But I, I don't think enough people talk about the fact that I think Knicks fans might be the most passionate. And it's not to take mm-hmm. anything away from Cavs fans or or any other team's fans, but like when that 
that team, that city lives for that. I was up there during that season and I've seen them during Yankees runs. And I've seen them, you know, when the Mets are good and the Nets and all that, but they don't care about all that. But when the, when New York, when the New York Knicks are good and Madison square garden has a reason to cheer, it's, um, it's definitely, it's, it's special. It's different. It is. And like I said, uh, I wasn't exaggerating. I mean, it was thunderous. You could literally feel that building have, have movement to it. And it was like, wow. And I'm halfway up in Madison Square Garden. I can't imagine what it was like down on that floor, you know, as the noise yeah. was descending upon the players. Um, so again, listen, every guy in the NBA, you have to go through that to become a winner. And so for the Cavaliers, uh, a very valuable lesson learned. Uh, you know, I, I told some people, it's like, you know, I have four children. It was like watching them learn to ride a bike. You know, they're, they're going to yeah. go over. They're going to tumble. They're going to, you know, yeah. you get back up. And, and you know there's going to be some rough moments there, but uh, you have to go through it. And for the Cavaliers, uh, they had to get that first playoff experience at some point. Uh, but, boy, you talk about baptism under fire uh, to have that happen in Madison Square Garden. Uh, it certainly uh, was a very, very intimidating place. Well, another thing I don't think we talked about enough, they had this great season, 51 wins. And man, some of the, there were stretches that season that were, that rivaled stretches of seasons when LeBron was leading the team to 50 plus wins and, you know, eventually into uh, NBA finals and such. Uh, there were so many fun parts. I remember early on in that season, actually, Chad, I remember, I believe it was a playoff game you and I did against Padua. Yeah. Uh, Beginning of the season, remember those games they had with Boston earlier in the year oh. that were overtime yeah. games that were cl- oh, they yeah. had a game. We called a game on a Friday night, and I got in the car and listened to Tim called. I texted you that night, Tim, because I had goosebumps because the Cavs had just beat the the Celtics in overtime, and um, it was such a good year that I I do think maybe fans, myself included, because I probably was one of those guys, Tim, that thought you're not going to lose to the Knicks. I think because the season was so fun and they played kind of such a relaxed free flowing form of basketball through the majority of the year that I, I allowed myself to think that it was going to be easier than it was in the postseason. I, I, I allowed myself to think that's how they're going to be. And then in the postseason, when teams clamped down, like the Knicks did, it wasn't free flowing basketball anymore. It was no. desperately trying to find some flow to basketball that has to be to go into this year what do you think a season like that, like uh, philosophy-wise? Because, again, J.B. Bickerstaff's not been the head coach of a lot of playoff teams. Uh, what do you think that teaches them philosophy-wise about how to handle the regular season and then how to handle regular season success as they go into the postseason? Well, first of all, I'll I'll give J.B. credit because during the regular season, as things were going so well, uh, JB would often raise a cautionary flag to say, we haven't gotten to the playoffs yet. <laughs> These guys haven't tasted playoff basketball yet. Uh, not that he was trying to forewarn fans or anything like that, but uh, he certainly has that basketball DNA uh, with his dad, Bernie Bickerstaff. And Bernie coached a lot of outstanding teams and playoff teams. So JB's been around the game. And uh, not that he knew they were going to get knocked out pretty easily by the Knicks, but he also knew uh, it's a different game when you get to the playoffs. And it's interesting, uh, you mentioned, you know, we've been going at it since media day, and uh, Jim Jones and I had the opportunity to chat with most of the players on media day. And 
the consistent question that we tried to ask them, how was playoff basketball different than regular season basketball? And Mike, you said it, uh, regular season basketball is that free flowing, you know, they're, they're just going to run up and down the floor, playoff basketball, everything gets bottled up. It becomes a much more physical basketball game. Uh, uh, the guys were really surprised that fouls that were called in January and February, uh, that whistle wasn't blown in April. It's like, yeah, that's a great <laughs> get point. up and run to the other end of the floor. Right. And so, I mean, we've all seen it and it's easy to tell guys, oh, it's going to be different come playoff time. But until you're playing at that level, until you're anticipating a whistle that doesn't blow, you don't really understand it. So, you know, philosophically, I, I don't know if anything really changes with the Cavaliers. They got that experience. They know what it takes. Um, certainly, it has motivated the guys. I mentioned the interviews that we did on Media Day and and Donovan, uh, and I'll quote him. This isn't a, a misquote or I'm kind of, you know, guessing what he said. <laughs> he said, I was pissed off all summer. Yeah. I didn't play well. We didn't play well. Uh, so it's motivating these guys and, you know, they saw what happened in that series. They watched the video, so they want to get back at it. They're, they're anxious to get going. They want to get that bitter taste out of their mouth. So that brings about a, a, an interesting question in my head. That kind of triggered an interesting question in my head, uh, Tim, you know, cause you mentioned two, <laughs> let's different bring guys. it out of that big head. Let's bring it out of that big dumb ears. Let's see what it is. <laughs> listen, listen, I'm going to get to bed about two, two thirty Once my next thought comes out, um, <laughs> Uh, you know, so you hear it a lot in sports, right? Like, oh, you know, baseball, it's one of, you know, 162, right? Playoff basketball is so much different than regular season basketball. Same thing with hockey. Playoff hockey is so much different than regular season hockey. But the fact remains, like, you still have to be good enough and win enough to be able to get to the postseason. So, I mean, is is there, you know, like, okay, like in the NBA, you see, like, players, you know, time, what, what, what do they call it? Time, not time management or what do they call management? it? Load, Load management. Load management. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I, I, I guess, I, I don't know. I want to try to word this as best I can. So I don't sound dumb. Uh, what's the difference? Like, is there a difference? Like what, like when do they know, I guess during the regular season, like, all right, it's time to turn it up. Or maybe like, you know, it feels like, it feels like sometimes nights they take off a little bit. Like what's the difference? How do they know when to like, I don't know turn it up to, 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 to win enough. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, I do. I do. And I think that's a fair question uh, because the NBA season, as you said, uh, it's not 162, it's 82, but still yeah. that's a long haul to play yeah. basketball over a five or six month period. So are you seeing, you know, the best, uh, the best of their ability night in and night out? Maybe not, uh, especially on back to backs or three games and four nights and those type of things. So uh, I think they turn it up, uh, and, I don't know, I, and you're right. I'm not comfortable using that phrase either because that means they're not trying right. uh, the other games. But I think there's an extra intensity level. Let's put it that way. Uh, you know, in big games, in so far as uh, you know, whether it's a rival or whether it's on national TV or whether there's a, a big star on the other side that you want to say, "Hey, we're just as good as they are," yeah. uh, and I think that's the challenge of a coach and a team to say, how do we, how do we bring intensity night in and night out? Uh, I know a word that JB uses a lot uh, is grit. You know, how do we bring that grit night in and night out where you just battle and you fight uh, and no matter what the final score is, you, you live with that. 
if you gave it that grit and that energy and that intensity level. So, yeah, I think guys know, you know, when, when the moment is, is there during the regular season where they need to turn it up a notch, certainly caliber of competition plays into that. Uh, you know, they certainly, they want to show their best and be their best when they're playing the best. So, you know, you guys mentioned that Boston game last year, listening uh, on the radio after the uh, after uh, the high school football playoff game. So and good. I, right. And that's early in the year. It's up in Boston. But I'm telling you, that was an intense playoff atmosphere type of game uh, where I think the Cavs wanted to make a statement. We're coming. We're coming. Yeah. And you guys yeah. may be coming off an NBA finals. Uh, but we've got a guy in Donovan Mitchell that can play with a Jason Tatum or play with a Jalen Brown. We've got a young up-and-comer in Darius Garland. We've got Karis LeVert who lit it up that night. So they rose to the occasion. I know that's a long answer to your question, yeah. Chad, but uh, I think players know the moment, and they know okay. what games have a little more edge to them. Oh, gotcha. Don't worry about long answers, Tim. People want to hear you more than they want to hear us. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, we do have a question from the comments, and I like this one because I don't think a lot of people remember that this is even a thing. Uh, but Drew in Brick City wants to know if you can explain uh, at least how you've been told that there's a new flopping rule uh, or, or what they're calling the STEM rule. Uh, so uh, I'll just let you get after that. What, what should we expect out of referees with this new flop rule? Yeah, there's there's a few rules uh, that have been tweaked for this year. So the the new flopping rule, actually, they sent out a whole video on it. And uh, Monty McCutcheon, former NBA official, who's now uh, the lead of the whole officials organization. Of course, he's retired from officiating. But uh, basically, they're trying to eliminate the flop. You know, fans don't like it. Uh, players seem to get away with it uh, much more than... Uh, they should. So what they have done, I don't have stem right off the top of my mind. I know exaggerated. I, it. I movement, got it here. Exaggerated. Secondary, movement. secondary theatrical, exaggerated movement. There it goes. Yeah. Secondary theatrical, exaggerated movement. So, I mean, it's putting a lot on the officials, but you know, listen, anybody that says basketball is a non-contact sport uh, <laughs> hasn't watched a lot of basketball. There's a lot of contact, <laughs> you know, but you see these guys just flail away. So basically what they are saying is if there's initial contact and a guy gets bumped or a guy gets knocked back, sometimes that's part of basketball. And then, then you get the hardest call in basketball, which is block or charge. S secondary theatrical says, well, he gets bounced back, but then he's flying around and <laughs> exaggerated yeah. movement. They're going to call that. Uh, they're going to call that as a flop. Uh, and so it, it's intended to decrease the flopping to say, okay, you can't get away with that anymore. Um, and so they, they went through a whole bunch of videos, like I said, and, and really had all the broadcasters uh, look at each individual call to say, was that it was just all LeBron? It was just all LeBron. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I got to know, you know, I love him. Would that have been a flop? Would that have been, you know, a standard defensive foul, offensive foul? Um, and once you really break it down and you see, you know, the exaggerated movement, you know, where these guys are just falling and sliding 15 feet when they barely got hit, uh, you're going <laughs> to clamp down on that. So all I can picture is LeBron holding his face. That's all he does is hold his face. He just holds his face. That's all he does is hold his face. I love LeBron. I love LeBron, but that's all he does is hold his face. 
Right. Uh, but it is going to be a point of emphasis this year. Every yeah. year at right. any level of basketball, high school, college, NBA, the, the officials kind of get together and with the competition committee and all that and say, okay, what's going to be our point of emphasis? Uh, and the flopping had just gotten way out of hand. Uh, so they're going to crack down on that. And the official is going to have to determine if it is a stem type of falling by the defender. I think it's, it has a chance to be one of the most popular rules the NBA has implemented in a long time because people are sick of flopping. Uh, and and it's it's too agree. You know, flopping happens in other sports, right? You, people think about soccer. Flopping happens in soccer. But, like, for the most part, they'll just play on. Like, if it's if the ref determines it's a flop, you just play on. That doesn't happen in basketball. So shout out to Drew for the question. The penalty, by the way, just to answer this, the penalty in basketball, if they determine it's a flop, is a technical foul but it does not count towards ejection. So it's not like if you get called for two flops, you don't get ejected, Uh, but it is, it is a shot in the ball for the other team. Right. Sorry. I didn't include that in my answer. I should have, but yes. So it will be a technical, but not a personal technical against the player. And again, uh, possession of the ball and a free throw and a free throw against the offending flopper. Yep. Well, well, Mike, since you have the rule book in front of you, what does 39 Article 4, Section 1B say? It says uh, Chad's head is enormous, and it cannot be allowed within three rows of the court of an NBA game. That's been in the rule books. That's in the life rule books. That's not in the NBA rule book. Okay. No, and I love that the NBA has decided to look at this. One thing about the NBA, I will say, and not just because I work for the Cavaliers, I really believe this. They try to be proactive. You know, if they see flapping yeah. or if they see something, you know, that I love the transition take where they say, yes. hey, we're going to stop such this. A good, such a good rule. Right. You know, right. tweak the rule because fans want to see breakaway basketball. They want to see dunks. You know, you grab some guy at the half court line. There should be more than just a foul assessed. A hundred percent. All right. Can I say something? And I don't know if you can answer this or not, Tim, but I, is there going to be any consistency with this? Because to me, when I'm watching an NBA game, superstars are refed differently than normal NBA players, in my opinion, that, that, than, than what I see. I, I don't know if you feel the same. I, I just, I don't know if you can answer that, but we can move on if we can. But it just, it seems like the stars of the NBA are refed a little bit differently. Maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I could be you wrong. You know what, Chad? I they think are. it's like that in any sport. I mean, okay. I think the strike right. zone is a little sure. bit wider for a Cy Young yes. award pitcher. Sure, sure. Okay. You sure. know, and the strike fair. zone is a little bit smaller for a 350 hitter that totally has a fair. reputation for having a great eye in the box. And totally fair. You know, <laughs> defensive lineman hits a all pro quarterback. Boy, that flag flies pretty quick. So yes. Totally yeah. fair. Right. Totally fair. So I'm not. <laughs> I'm not saying that, yeah, star players in the NBA don't get calls or don't have calls on them that are made. Um, But the whole flopping thing, we'll see. You know, it's going to be interesting the first few weeks of the season. And I think if they really clamp down on this, sometimes you'll see that where a league will bring something in to say this is a point of emphasis and they'll hammer it home for the first few weeks just to kind of set that tone. Yeah. Like, hey, this is being called now. Right. Uh, and you'll see the players adjust. Absolutely. So if it gets called on the star players, especially, you'll For see sure. the, the guys that aren't the elite players going, well, they're calling it on him. Yeah, <laughs> I better yeah. not go sliding my backside eight yeah. feet across the floor. <laughs>
Tim, let's spend the last few minutes with you just getting excited about this Cavaliers team because we I didn't know we were going to get into talking about NBA rule changes, but I'm cool with that. But I want to get excited about this NBA team because I think I am. Uh, this, this Cavaliers team, I think there's a lot to be excited about. And Absolutely. so let's just kind of run through it a little bit. Again, it's going to be a little bit of a new look, just like it's going to be for a lot of the NBA. Uh, a lot of players moved. Uh, you've got the massive Dame Lillard trade that happened, and he's going to mm-hmm. be playing for Milwaukee, which sucks because that's in the division. Obviously, Boston Boston made a, a real interesting move, getting rid of uh, uh, Marcus Smart and bringing in a guy that I don't think is all that good in Kristaps Porzingis. But then to bring in Drew Holiday on the back end of that trade, all of a sudden, Boston, I think, got better. When they traded away Marcus Smart and brought in Kristaps Porzingis, I don't think they were better. But now Drew Holiday, I think they're better than they were. Uh, teams like Miami did not get better. They banked on getting Dame Lillard. And in, in the meantime, they let guys like Max Struess, who you see there, number one, leave the team. They lost a couple players. So a lot of interesting movement that happened in the NBA. Bradley Beal out of the Eastern Conference over to Phoenix. Uh, but let's talk about this Cavaliers team. Again, you've got your core four, and we've talked about them. Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, uh, Garland, and Mitchell. I think people have pretty solid expectations of what you're going to get out of Donovan Mitchell, the seventh leading scorer of the NBA last year. He could be better this year. You never know. Uh, Darius Garland showed what he can be, and those two guys showed they can really coexist well together. You know what you're getting out of Jared Allen. He's going to be a tough defender. He's going to be a really good rebounder, and he's a pretty decent offensive player. I think the guy in the core four that everybody's looking at going, this has to be that jump year, is Evan Mobley. Not that he wasn't good last year. I mean, you're talking about a guy that, what he averaged, like 16 and nine or something like that for Evan Mobley. Had a really solid second year in the NBA. But I think a lot of people think for the Cavs to take the next step to where they want to go, Evan Mobley has to take that next step and become kind of the superstar player that that they drafted him to be. Uh, so talk about what you've seen from Evan Mobley in the offseason and what you – and what you expect out of him coming into this year. So let's start, first of all, with with where you started your question in regards to the high expectations and the and the bar has been raised. And I 100% agree with that. And that that is an organizational goal. I, I give Kobe Altman and JB a lot of credit uh, on media day as they were talking to, you know, talking to the folks that showed up at Rock and Mortgage Fieldhouse. Uh, they didn't back down. They said, listen. Our goal is to get beyond the first round of the playoffs. That's a goal. You know, if you want to improve from last year, uh, you win the first round of the playoffs. Now, does that mean winning the Eastern Conference and getting to the NBA Finals or at least getting to the Eastern Conference (laughs) Finals? Who knows? But the goal has been set. The bar has been raised. We're going to get out of the first round of the playoffs, or at least that's the objective. So part of that, yes, Mike, I totally agree with you. Uh, is going to be an elevation of Evan Mobley. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I think Evan Mobley is an outstanding basketball player. To to be in your second year in the league and get third in defensive player of the year voting and first team all defensive team, I mean, the, the young man is an elite defender. Does mm-hmm. his offensive game need to grow? Absolutely. This goes back to what we were talking about a while ago, where you bring in a Struess and a Niang and stretch that defense out to give Evan more room to operate. Uh, I think that's going to happen. I also think, in fact, I know 
Uh, he has worked so hard on his offensive game in the offseason. Uh, he has studied video of guys like Durant and Bosch and Adebayo and Giannis. I mean, he wants to become a better offensive basketball player. So uh, I think the sky is the limit for Evan Mobley. But I do think this is a year uh, where he takes another step, especially at the offensive end. You can't ask much more from him defensively when you're no. when you're third in voting for defensive player of the year. <laughs> yeah. um, he's an elite defender. But uh, that offensive side of the game, I think it will grow. And, and I think he'll be really aided by the additions of guys like Struess and Niang and, and even Tristan, not so much on the floor, but Tristan's going to help him off the floor. Tristan's going to really guide him, even when they're sitting on the bench, if Evan's out of the game for a while and Tristan's sitting next to him in his ear going, hey, try this move, try that move. Uh, that's a guy that's been in the NBA a long time and has and has seen every move down in that low block. So uh, I think Evan Mobley is a very, very key piece to how far the Cavaliers go this year, no doubt. Tim, where are you at with the depth of this team as opposed to last year? Love it. Well, this is a team I, I – I hate to tell you the guys this, but I did a podcast earlier today. <laughs> this is my second one. But I, I I'm sorry, I'm excuse not... me. <laughs> <laughs> but I said, and I've said not only on that podcast, I've said throughout the off season, <laughs> we go out and visit with all the, the radio affiliates across the state. And uh, I'll stand by this. This roster right now is a better roster that walked off the floor after game five with the Knicks. This is a deeper basketball team. Uh, night in and night out, JB is going to be able to go 10, 11 deep with this ball club. Uh, they added depth. So Chad, to answer your question, uh, I think it's a better roster. I'm not saying they're going to match 51 wins because to Mike's point, the Eastern conference is going to be a slog. I mean, mm -hmm. that is just going to be a dogfight night in and night out. So you can be a better basketball team roster wise, and you may not get the 51. But is it important to get to a number or to get to that next round in the playoffs? And this is a roster that's built, I think, uh, for getting beyond the first round. So I think the depth is now there. I think this is, you know, we haven't even mentioned, I'm going off on a tangent here, but we didn't even mention the re-signing of Karis Levert. Levert could have well, we were go we were going there. We were totally going there. Okay, Levert could have walked, but the Cavs wanted him. And he wanted to be here, and he's an integral part of this as well. So uh, if Strew starts, which I think everybody thinks he will, and once Jared comes back, you have Niang coming off the bench. You have Levert coming off the bench. Uh, Dean Wade's had a nice preseason. He comes off the bench. Okoro comes off the bench. So this is a team now that has some depth and it has some flexibility. And Damian Jones, we didn't mention him as well. Well, and, and I think, I think Tim, I think, uh, you know, I think we talk about starters and bench in such a way, but like, I think, I think Karis LeVert, <clears throat> excuse me. I think Karis LeVert may be the player, if I'm being real honest with you, I think Karis LeVert may be the player that benefits most from the depth that's been added to the roster because he is, in my opinion, the most important player that isn't in the starting lineup on the Cavaliers because he's the engine that makes it run when guys like Donovan Mitchell come off the floor or Darius and any plays he comes in and plays point guard. Sometimes he comes in and plays shooting guard. Sometimes he he's the guy they look to. Like, I think if you pulled the coaches, they would, they would, he would be like up at the top of most important players on the Cavaliers. I know that sounds crazy, 
But Karis Levert's very important to this Cavaliers team. So when you're going to put him in there with some second unit guys, but those second unit guys include, like you said, Niang, but also Max Struess is still out there. And Evan Mobley's still out there. And you've got just better depth than what he dealt with when he was part of the second unit last year. I mean, I, I think Karis Levert is primed for a humongous year this year as like a sixth man off the bench for the Cavaliers. Absolutely. Uh, the coaches love Karis Levert. And as I mentioned, it was a priority for the front office to bring him back. Uh, they realize his value to the basketball team. And, and the great thing about Karis is he's the ultimate team player. He has no problem coming off the bench. Uh, there are some guys, not on the Cavs team, but you guys know, well, I'm going to oh, start. Yeah. Well, if I'm not starting, Karis isn't that guy. He'll go to JB and say, you play me where you need me to play me. You play me when you need me to play me. And I'm going to do everything I can to help us win. And winning teams need guys like that. So Karis LeVert is a huge piece of the Cavaliers moving forward. Uh, I was thrilled when they re-signed him. Yeah. And, and it shows, again, the value that the Cavaliers organization puts on him and and what he sees coming to fruition here. Again, he could have gone anywhere else, and he probably could have gotten more money to go somewhere else. Uh, but he, could he have been wanted a starter. to be here in the – pardon me? And he could have been a starter. Right. In a exactly. lot of other places. Yep, exactly. You did another podcast, Tim? <laughs> if your goal <laughs> – sir, was to put an arrow yes. straight through our hearts. Bullseye, sir. Bullseye. <laughs> yes, but it was a lemonade podcast. It wasn't oh, a beer. Okay. <laughs> That's, oh, fair. Okay. That's fair. Nobody likes it. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, again, we are here with Tim Alcorn, the radio voice of the Cavaliers, and our first ever guest. When we t when we run into people that are like, man, how do you guys get – because, you know, we've had some crazy guests on the show, and Joe Thomas and, and Austin Carr, one of your broadcast partners, and – and 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 we've had Hall of Famers and all kinds of legends on the you show. Guys Jim Elkhorn was our first. This thing. Wow, you you were our first. You were our first. Uh, there's a name that hasn't come up that I do really want to talk about because you've probably had a closer look than a lot of people. I'm a. Am I letting myself? I want to know if I'm letting myself get too excited about this, Tim. Am no, I letting myself? I get, am, <laughs> am I letting myself get too excited? about the Cavaliers' second-round draft pick this year, Emony Bates. I don't know if I say his name, Emani Bates. I, I'm Imani. so bad at that. Yes. Am I letting myself get too excited about this kid? Because he looks like he just fits an NBA roster to a T. Yeah, how much time do we have? Because I could talk for a while about Imani Bates. You, so. uh, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run, and you just go. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Tell us about Imani Bates, please. So for, so for your viewers and listeners, uh, just again, a real quick snapshot. Uh, Imani Bates, high school basketball in Michigan as a sophomore, was the high school player of the year across the country. Not just in Michigan. He was the national player of the year in high school as a sophomore. This kid has a talent level and a ceiling that's off the charts. So he finishes up his high school career in Michigan, goes down to Memphis, got recruited by everybody, goes to Memphis. And listen, he did some things that perhaps 17, 18-year-old young men sometimes do, and you and you get caught, and uh, there were some red flags that went up. So he wanted to get back home, get closer to structure and all that. So he spent his sophomore year at Eastern Michigan, tore it up for Eastern Michigan, declares for the draft. And again, those, those red flags, I mean, draft choices are like gold in the NBA. There's only two yeah. rounds. Uh, 
So, you know, NBA teams shied away. Fair enough. Uh, Cavaliers didn't have a first round pick. So they're sitting with only a second round pick at number 49. And they're like, right. Bates kid has some talent. Again, he's got some red flags, but he's got talent. So it's a classic low risk, high reward pick. If he pans out, we've got ourselves a basketball player. Yeah. If he, if he goes off the straight and narrow, Hey, it was the 49th pick. We took our chance. And Mike, to your point, this kid has flashed some brilliance during the preseason. Now it's preseason basketball and he's not playing against the other team's first team and they don't really have a book on Imani Bates yet. But that being said, you can see where that skill level is and it's electrifying at times. So (laughs) he still needs structure. He's a raw talent. Uh, He'll probably play a lot more with the Cleveland charge this year than he will with the Cavaliers. But that being said, he has done everything above and beyond what the Cavalier coaches have asked him to do, what the front office has asked him to do. Uh, You know, you talk about keeping it on the straight and narrow. He has absolutely done that. He's responded and done everything uh, the right way. So if this pans out, I'm not saying this year or even next year, he's only 19 years old. Uh, But if it pans out, he could be the absolute steal with the 49th pick in the draft in the second round. So so far, so good. And this young man, Imani, Mike, Imani Bates. I, uh, I, you know what? And I knew it. Right, uh, I, I don't know. I'm so stupid. Get it right. No, 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 no. I'm just I'm I'm teasing. Stupid. You know it's I'm teasing. Fine. But this kid has talent. This kid has talent. Now, again, he, he's raw. He, he's He's got to grow into his body still. He's only 19. He's call, still kind of all arms and legs. He's got to put some weight on and some yeah, muscle yeah. on. But uh, he's exciting to watch. He really is. All right, so we're going to let you get going here, Tim. I got one last question, and this is more to pay tribute to a guy that was here in Cleveland for a while. Uh, But one of the guys we didn't talk about, but this is a loss for the Cavaliers, a guy that will not be playing for the wine and gold uh, and who is going down to join Victor Wembenyama and and Greg Popovich and the Spurs. Uh, But uh, Jetty Osman spent a lot of time in Cleveland and did a lot of – he was – he did a lot of things in Cleveland, a lot of good things in Cleveland. Uh, Jetty Osman was a pretty good player and he's not in Cleveland anymore. Just a, you know, little shout out to, to Jetty and, and, you know, talk about what he, what they'll miss in what he brought and, and how they replace that. Well, I'll say this, the Cavaliers from top to bottom uh, believe in character and you won't find a guy with better character than Jetty Osman. Uh, He was great to me. I was the newcomer uh, a few years ago, and uh, Jetty was awesome to me. He was great with his teammates. You saw that on the bench or when he was out on the floor. Uh, Mike, as you alluded to, he did a lot for the community. And this is a guy, you know, that's the the business side of professional sports. Uh, When you make a deal, uh, you've got to give somebody up. And so uh, it was Jetty Osmond and Lamar Stevens, who was also a really good dude uh, that went in the Max Struess deal. So I don't think there's anybody in this organization that doesn't wish Jetty Osmond nothing but the best, except when they're playing the Cavs, uh, when he's with the San Antonio Spurs, because he's a great guy, uh, cares deeply uh, about not only things that are happening in his own life, but back home, you know, so a European player, um, does so much for his home country. So uh, Jetty Osmond, he will be missed. He was a fan favorite. Uh, boy, he got on those hot streaks where everything he threw up was going in. 
and the fans would go crazy. So uh, it'll be good to see Jetty uh, when we bump into him when the Cavs play the San Antonio Spurs. But uh, you're right. He gave the Cavaliers everything he had. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Mike really knows how to God mute darn his it. mic in the middle I'm so of the stupid. podcast. I always end our interviews the same way, Tim, because you're really good at this part uh, and your voice gets people going anyways. So here's where I, I, I want you to get people excited and I want you to talk about what, what's the, what do you think the realistic? I don't, want to, I don't want you to hold back so much, but be realistic. What's the realistic ceiling for the 2023-2024 Cleveland Cavaliers? Well, as I said, I, the organization has publicly stated uh, we want to get past the first round of the playoffs and I think you know you look at that Eastern Conference everybody seems to have Boston or Milwaukee as one two I mean you can kind of go back and forth uh, Boston and Milwaukee I think the Cavs could very easily grab that three spot Uh, I'm not saying that's the ceiling as far as postseason basketball I'm just saying if you if you're of the belief that Boston and Milwaukee are one two in the East uh, I, I would peg the Cavaliers at third I would uh, all sorts of drama in Philly with Harden and how that's going to play out. And is it, you know, is it going to cost anybody their job? I mean, Doc Rivers has already gone out of there. Will Daryl Morey lose his job? Uh, Miami made that great run, but uh, Mike, you alluded to it. Uh, they went, they put all their chips in on Lillard and didn't get them. And now they're absent some players. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I think the Cavs looking at the Knicks, they addressed what happened in that series against the Knicks, the Knicks really didn't make any moves. Uh, Dante DiVincenzo, and that's about it. So not to go through every team, but I think the Cavs are a solid third in the Eastern Conference. And, you know, again, I'm sitting here at a desk, knock on wood, but everybody stays healthy. You know, that's always the case. But if you get everybody to stay healthy, uh, this is a solid basketball team with guys still coming into their primes. You mentioned earlier, we talked about Evan Mobley and DG and those type of players. So, you know, I don't know what the, the ceiling is. Um, I, the goal is to get past that first round. So that'd be a 3-6 matchup if, if my prognostications were to be correct. Um, and then 2-7 gets the winner of 3-6. So that puts you in the second round against either Milwaukee or Boston. And then you, then you just let the chips fall. Let's go. Ah, Tim Elkhorn, I love it. We're going to let you go. 10 o'clock, you spent an hour with us. Uh, but it's Cavaliers basketball time. And it's so fun to say that uh, the off the, the offseason didn't start exactly the way people wanted it to, but now the new season starts. And if you guys look back and remember exactly how fun this Cavaliers team was last year, it's coming. Uh, oh, I do. I have to ask you one last thing, Tim, because you are you're tied in as much as possible. We've got injury. Do you have any kind of injury updates on not just Jared Allen, but we do want to know what's going on with Jared Allen. And uh, there's injury updates to uh, Darius Garland too that I saw today I, I think DG will go uh, Jared Allen uh, every indication is he won't go uh, tomorrow night uh, he did make the flight with us here to Brooklyn so he's with the team but uh, I don't have a sense that he's going to be able to go tomorrow night again that's just me uh, that's not official word from the Cavaliers but they're going to play it very very cautiously with Jared Allen uh, you're talking about you know a seven foot tall guy with with feet uh issues so that's not something you want to mess around with you want to make sure that he's 100 ready to go so that bone bruise in his ankle uh they're going to wait until he is fully cleared and fully ready to play uh, before they put him on the floor 
hey, if you want to listen to Tim Alcorn call a game, you tune in to the Cavaliers radio network anywhere you find it. Tomorrow night, the Cavaliers, the Brooklyn Nets, if you'll remember, one of the great games of all of last season, Isaac Okoro with a last second three to win the game over Brooklyn, one of the great games of, of the entire season. Uh, the Cavaliers and the Nets kick things off tomorrow night. Make sure you tune in. If 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 you can't, uh, you know, or even if you are watching the game, put Tim Elkhorn on. Uh, Cavaliers are lucky to have a lot of great broadcasters. Tim's one of the best. So, Tim, thank you so much for joining us. Good luck. Have fun this season, and we'll check back in as the season goes along. Absolutely. Let's do this again, man. Uh, it's been too long. I always enjoy spending time with you guys. And, again, in, in all seriousness, we're friends, but I also want to say just as a – as a fellow broadcaster, congratulations on your success with this yeah. podcast. I mean, the <laughs> guests you are getting and the following that you've developed is absolutely phenomenal. And uh, I know the work and I know the effort that you've put into this. So uh, congratulations to the two of you and all of all of the people that have helped you put this program together. But it's great. So uh, continued success and, and keep doing a great job on those Medina County matchups as well. I'm listening. Tune in, Buckeye Sandusky's Friday. Go Friday night, (laughs) Bucks, baby. (laughs) Hey, Tim, thank you so much for everything. Good luck. Have fun this season. Have fun tomorrow night. I know the off season seems long when all you want it's it's how I feel about those WEOL games. When all you want to do is call that next Cavs game, the off off season seems long. It's over. Game on tomorrow. Thank you so much for coming on with us tonight. Let's play some Cavaliers basketball. Let's go. Let's go. Remember the minivan. Get that minivan quote yeah, in there. Get the like minivan it. quote ready. Get I'll it ready. See what I can do. <laughs> see you, Tim. Right, Tim. Tim Alcorn's one of the great dudes in the history of dudes, I think. And uh, a guy that we have known, dudes. a guy that Chad Meyer and I have known for, uh, we're, we're in a couple decades of hanging out with Tim Alcorn. Uh, and just one of our very favorites. Again, our very first guest on the podcast, and now our most recent guest on the podcast, Tim Alcorn. Catch him on the Cavaliers radio network starting tomorrow night against the Brooklyn Nets and all season long as he brings you Cavaliers basketball. Make sure you tune into that. And go follow him online at Cavs Alcorn on Twitter. I know Tim's not the biggest uh, tweeter. It's not Twitter anymore. Xer. It's not, it's, he's not the biggest Xer of all Whatever. time. Whatever. But go Go follow him at Cavs Alcorn uh, to keep up with the team and uh, and make sure you tune in with him all the way through. So, Chad, what? That's all. I love. Man, I love. I, I always. I, I, it's just permanent. It's perma smile when we talk to Tim Alcorn. It's. I don't know. He gives, you the, bu- he gives you the goosey bumpies. I get it. Yeah, but he's he's just. You know, for uh, uh, you know what he does for both you and I, Chad. He keeps the dream alive, right? Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Chad, Chad, and I both want to be broadcasters. That's that. Yeah. I'm 40, and I still want to be a broadcaster. Oh, I'll never what lose is. that dream. I'll be 75 and never lose that dream. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and and to see Tim Alcorn come from WEOL, where he, I mean, he put in so much work uh, and did so well and calling high school sports and all that to the Cavaliers recognizing what a true incredible talent he is and saying, we want you to be our next voice. It's amazing. So I love that. Love that. He's a friend of ours. And, uh, and again, I got to stop talking about Tim Alcorn because I could do it for like another half hour. Anyways, we're going to get on with the rest of our show. And anytime we get done with our first segment, our interview segment, we always break things up at the end of our show. We do our three cheers of the week where people deserve uh, some positive shout outs. But here in the middle of the show, we're going to do our asshole of the week. 
uh, where people deserve some negative shout outs. So uh, let's get into our asshole of the week. And Chad, I'll lead us off if you don't mind. Sure. My asshole of the week is a guy named Connor Stallions. Mm, is that name ringing a bell? Is that, is, that, is that name ringing a bell, Chad? He's the guy in Naughty Nurses 38, right? Like the guy nope, that, that ain't it. Nope. Oh, that, all right. All right. It was Night Nurses from Jersey. Brick Tamlin's uh, brother? <laughs> Connor Stallions. No, <laughs> Connor Stallions. This guy from Michigan who was so bad at cheating <laughs> that he got caught. He was so bad at cheating yeah. that he got caught using his own name uh-huh. to do something that is explicitly forbidden uh-huh. over and over and over 40 times. And yeah. now, and now I don't, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to let myself believe, but I I'm starting yeah. to let myself believe after, after seeing what the NCAA has done to teams in the past for not quite a significant situations, sure. starting to believe, Starting to believe Michigan might get fucked for this. That'd be awesome. I'm 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 not. I don't know if I'm all in on believing that yet because until something happens, I'm not. I don't know that I'm going to believe it. And I'm I'm ready to get a news flash over ESPN that's like Michigan self imposes yeah, a one game probationary period <laughs> and the NCAA accepts it. Yeah. But I'm also starting to think that Michigan could t- get totally fucked for this. Like. Yeah. What's Jim Harbaugh going to do when he can't sleep over recruits' houses anymore? Like, I, I do want to say, <laughs> I do want to say. Thing to think about. Is oh, I know. Thing to think about, like, like, like. Can I just crash on the couch then, or? Like, like good night, Devin, and he's like gets in a sleeping bag at the bottom of the of the kid's bed. <laughs> <laughs> do you mind if I sleep in my khakis? Yeah, yeah. You think mom <laughs> and dad are going to wake up if we're too loud? <laughs> I, um. I, I want to I want to not be idiotic about this because I do think because it's Michigan a lot of people are letting themselves become idiotic about this. Um, I don't think Michigan's special in this. I just no. think they're they're dumb enough to get caught. Sure. I don't I mean, think I, I don't think this is a thing that other teams aren't doing. I don't think this is like a oh Michigan's just doing this and nobody else does this. I'm not going to be stupid about it. But they let themselves get caught because this guy was an idiot. He was yeah. so bad at cheating. All right. Putting Maybe. tickets. He bought tickets. They said for this Penn State game. Yeah. He bought one ticket in on one side of the stadium in his own name. Right. And another ticket on the other side of the stadium in the same spot. So he could like look like he could have yeah. people. He had two oh. people go to the game. Yeah. Under his own name. He has to in-person scout both teams because they got both teams coming up. So here we are. How stupid can you be? Dumb. Very dumb. Super this dumb. guy's the this guy's my asshole of the week. Uh, I yeah. McStallion, total asshole. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, everybody does it, right? It's just a matter of if or when you get caught. And really, everybody does it. That's and why don't give me. Yeah, I'm not going to get on my moral high horse, like you said, like exactly, exactly your point. This isn't a moral thing, right? I'm not like, oh, could you believe Michigan did this? They right. all do it. They all do. And it. yeah, and on some level, you understand it because there's so much pressure on these guys. Can you imagine, yeah. like, again, again, being a Jim Harbaugh or a Ryan Day, where every single year you need to win the Big Ten, w- beat Michigan or yeah, beat Ohio oh, yeah. State, and win the national championship? That's it. That is you it. You can't get caught. You can't get caught. You cannot you can't get, get caught. caught. You cannot Outrageous. get caught. 
So this guy's my asshole. This guy's my yeah. asshole. Chad, what about you? I'm going to go with like, like adults uh, who have kids like that. that who I, I'm going to go with adults with kids, man or woman with kids uh, who can't be out with their kids without having their Bluetooth headset in. I, I think that is just so like, I think it is just so fucking rude. Like, dude, is it really that important? Like, are you, do you really need to take that business call when your, your son oh, or daughter? Or, yeah. Where your son or daughter is tugging at you, like, like begging oh, yeah. for attention. No, take it. Like put the fucking phone down. You can call them back later. Okay. It's not that important. Take your fucking blue. You're, you're not that important. The call is not that important. The person on the other line is not that important. Take your Good. fucking headset out and, and spend some time with your kids. Work will be still be there uh, after you put them to bed or after dinner. All right. Put them, put them to put the headset down. That was good. That's solid. That's a solid one. And, and yeah. the, the kids, well, that's one thing, but yeah, the, the parents that like ignore their kids, it's weird. Yeah. You're not that important. Right. I like that one. I like that one. Uh, uh, quick comment here from dubious one likes the old school calves. I guess it's a Brad Doherty Jersey. Number 43. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I am a uh, beer-bellied, middle-aged white man, so I, it's very hard for me to wear, pull off uh, basketball jerseys. But you know, you throw the shirt on underneath, and it's fine. Yeah, and I can't you see your belly, so it looks fine right now. I, I look slim, don't I? I look uh, slim in this. It's slimming. Stand All right, up. forget stand, it. Stand up. Nope, not going to do that. Oh, uh, anyways, those are our assholes of the week. So now, Chad, let's move on to a couple other subjects that I want to get to. We, uh, we're here on the OBR. We got to talk about the Cleveland Browns. Sure. So, uh, by the way, three two Diamondbacks in the middle of the sixth. Amazing. I'm watching this game. We are we are three innings away from Diamondbacks Rangers in the World Series, just like we <laughs> yeah. all predicted. Right. Uh, the Cavalier or the Cavaliers, the Browns. 39-38, a win over the Colts um, in a game that maybe outside of that Ravens game, but God bless, like there's there was no hope for that Ravens game with the way that unfolded. Uh, I think total team effort, maybe the worst <laughs> team effort the Browns have put in all season long. They made Gardner Minshew look like uh, some unstoppable for it. He looked like Joe Burrow is supposed to look. Right. Uh, uh, the running game is good for Indianapolis. That offensive line is good for Indianapolis. Uh, right. So I don't want to, you know, I don't want to say they don't have like a halfway decent team. They do, but man, just missed tackles on that Pittman touchdown. I don't know what Martin Emerson was doing, just throwing shoulders, but he wound up pushing him towards the end zone. Right. Uh, the allowing Indianapolis to, to hit on those free plays. Like, I don't care if it's a free play. You still can't let them hit on it. Right. Um, there was just so much that went wrong. Right. Including your starting quarterback throwing five passes, looking like total shit. Yeah. A hundred percent. Getting pulled for PJ Walker, who again, I'm not going to ever say anything bad about PJ Walker, but he's not a very good NFL quarterback. Nope. And all of this, you, all of this combines, to the Browns winning this game, 38, 39 to 38. Like, I know what I know. I don't know. How, I don't know how they won that game. Chad. I have no idea how they won that game. Zero idea myself. Well, I mean, I, I have somewhat of an idea because the defense scored you 14 points. Was it? Well, he's on, he's on the screen. He's right. Yeah, he's there. on the screen. That's, yeah. Miles, Miles Garrett scored it. Yeah. So I, I mean, that's how you, 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 at least 
got somewhat towards winning this game. But yeah, I mean, I'll never say a bad thing about PJ Walker either because I think he's gutsy, but he's just not, he's not an NFL caliber. He's not even an NFL caliber backup, Mike. He's just, he's just not, but he's a guy that uh, is, is suitable for now in place of DTR, I, I guess, because DTR is not ready, but yeah, I have no idea. It was, it was such a weird, ugly back and forth type game. And yeah, you made Gardner Minshew look like a pro bowler. I, I, I don't know what exactly happened. I'm confused, but the Colts uh, offensive line yeah, is, is very good. Yeah. It's very good in the running game, especially when you have Jonathan Taylor back there. Zach Moss has been running wild for a while now. And, and there were moments, Chad, there Taylor. were moments to give them some love that offensive line. There were moments in their Duke uniforms that they were Those right. were terrible, by the way. Right. Uh, there were moments though. And we know how good this Browns defensive line has been, but there were moments where that offensive line look, it looked like a wave. It looked sure. like just a rush. Right. Uh, and they, they played really well. That offensive line played really well, even though they let people get to Gardner Minshew and all that in the run game. I think they played great. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, that's the effort they were going to need to have success against the Browns and, you know, Indiana Knights. That sounds like a prom theme, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Indiana Knights. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know. It was, um, I, I think, you know, for, for an offensive line to be successful against this Browns defense, they're going to have to match intensity. They're going to have to match the physicality. And that's exactly what this Colts offensive line did in the run game. And that's, and that's a big reason why they had success. And yeah, you turned over that. I mean, I, I guess that's a, I, I guess you don't need to look any further than you turn Gardner Minshew with the Colts over what three, four times. And the Colts still were about to win this game. So that gives you an idea of how good this Colts offensive line was uh, in the run game. And Gardner Minshew still went off. Like you said, those free plays. Yeah, it, it was, I don't know. I don't know what it was. I mean, a great defense is not going to have it every single game, and this was definitely the Browns' defense's worst performance of the season. Well, I got to tell you, and listen, as good as your defense is, they're going to have times where they give up some drives. Right. Because the other team is an NFL offense. It is what it is. Right. Even with Gardner Minshew, that's an NFL offense. Um, I hope, here's what I hope. I hope the Browns learned one lesson. If Miles Garrett jumps offside, or frankly, or frankly, Zedarius Smith or or Okoronko, if, if any of those three edges, those special talent edges, jump offsides, the new rule for the Cleveland Browns should be don't try to get back, just go towards the quarterback so you get they have to blow the play dead because you're unabated to the quarterback. Right, right. Don't let these guys have free plays. That the problem is Miles jumps off, he tries to get back. Well, what's going to happen if you get back? The ball's going to, even if you do get back, the ball's right. going to get snapped. Your momentum is bringing you back. You're not going to be affecting the play at all. Now the defense is going 11 on 10 because you're still moving backwards and right. it's still probably not going to work out well for you. Right. You, I, I do not care that Miles Garrett gets, I, I want to say this so clearly. Right. I don't care that Miles Garrett gets offense or offsides penalties. Right. I don't care, care whether he has two or three a game. I don't care right. because the thing that makes Miles Garrett special is that he gets off the ball so fast, faster than anybody in the NFL. That means sometimes he's going to get off a little too fast. Right. Sometimes he's going to jump that snap a little too fast. Stop stopping. Right. 
Jump yeah. offside. If you notice that you have jumped offside, get your ass to the quarterback. Right, right. Get your ass to the quarterback. And and if if they let the play go, sack his ass. Right. And if they call it dead, <laughs> the worst situation is still the best case situation if you let the play go. Right. That's that's why I don't get stopping. The best case situation if you let the play go is that no matter what happens in the outcome of the play, the Colts are going to get five yards. Right. Right. The worst case situation is that you give up a touchdown. Right. So hopefully these guys realize these guys are special. They get off the ball quick. Sometimes they're going to jump off sides. Rule of thumb, jump off sides, just go after the quarterback. Yeah, just keep playing. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Because the problem is once, like, I think on that, on the long touchdown, I think Miles jumped and he was so egregiously off sides that he just stood, I don't know if you remember, but he just stood up. Right. And I think what happened, you see Grant Delpit just kind of stood. Right. He just stopped. Yeah. Cause he, he just yeah. stopped. Right. And, and it was, it felt egregious. Don't let it like, if it's, if, if it's going to feel egregious, be egregious about it. I don't know. I feel like that. I don't know why that doesn't get coached. Right. Right. No, no I, I totally agree. I don't have anything to add to that. I totally agree. Keep, keep fucking playing. Like don't, <laughs> the play isn't dead because it's a free play. Keep playing. <laughs> but, I, but don't like for me, don't let it be a free play. Right. Don't let them get to a free play. Right. Keep going so they have to blow the whistle dead. Right. Because there's a difference between offsides, where they let the play go, and unabated to the quarterback, where they blow it dead. Because if they don't blow it dead, you're going to rip the quarterback's head off. Right. No, 100%. Make them blow the play dead. Uh, Zook in the comments, uh, Chad, wants to know, what's your take on Pat McAfee losing his mind about the last two calls, saying that the game was fixed? I don't care. Uh, me fucking neither i don't care one single bit every week and it's not just been the browns because the browns in the past have had their fair share of questionable calls but uh but i i don't and i'm not one to blame the officials but for the love of god it since 1999 it feels like no breaks has ever gone the browns way and finally finally this year for some reason the browns are getting a couple of breaks i don't care at all and it's not at all it's not not just the browns you can get you can point to probably two to three teams a week that win a game that they probably didn't deserve to win and it was the browns this week was were were those two calls questionable sure sure absolutely but you know what i don't care because my team benefited from it i don't i i don't care i'm not even going to question i don't even i don't even care to even look any further into it because the final score was the browns 39 the colts 38 that's all that matters no, it doesn't matter how you win. We always say there's no style points in the NFL, okay? It doesn't matter. You can cry and whine all you want to about it. I don't, I don't, I don't even give a shit if the refs were if those refs were betting on games in Vegas. I don't care because it gave the Browns a win. It does not matter at all. You know, listen, and, and, and does it matter, says the Browns have had more than their fair share. It, this happens. Yeah. Nobody, this has happened. Here, here's the deal. This has happened to the Patriots over the years, but nobody looked at their Super Bowls that they won and said, yeah, but that one game in week six where they benefited from that bad call, 
Super Bowl doesn't count. Right. Fuck no. Fuck right. no. Right. This happens. Listen, I want to acknowledge something. There were two bad. There were two calls. Two calls. Right. The one was a good call. Uh, Amari Cooper got held on that ball. That that uh, um, there was the strip sack and the recovery. Sure. It just that call. If that strip sack didn't happen, everybody would have agreed that was a good call. Right. But sure. everybody freaked out about it because the strip sack happened. Sure. He, Amari Cooper got held on that play. No doubt. Sure. sure. I want to. I want to be very fair on something. That defensive pass interference call is one of the worst calls I've ever seen in my whole life. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, that is if that would have happened to the Browns, I'd have flipped my shit. One hundred percent. I'd have flipped my shit. Yeah, that ball was uncatchable. There was no business, no business throwing that flag. Right? Do I care? Mm-hmm. Nah, no. nah. No. I don't care because this I don't is care. What, this is what happens in the NFL. Like you can, you can, like I said, every, I'll reiterate it every single week. You can point to two, three games that have questionable calls. Look at that fucking, I mean, I know it's college, but look at that fucking Iowa and Minnesota game. You see that phantom yep. fair catch call that they called it back against Iowa. I actually didn't think that was so crazy. You can, you can but, that was so crazy. but still you can, you can hey. point to get, you can point this. to this penalties every single week that, in any that game. guy's that guy's arm was waving like crazy I it mean, was waving like bruh. crazy i thought yeah. it was fine i thought that was fine i thought it was fine but still thought it was fine. point being point being you can point to to at least a couple of games every single week where there were some questions this, this comment's great from broken arrow this comment's great it was a gift from the football guys yeah and they sometimes you get them they owe sometimes us. you sometimes no they they owe us they owe us. Yeah. If they want to pay back their debts, we need three straight Super Bowl wins. That's fine. what they owe us. Fine. That's what they owe us. I would take one, but three? Fine. No, that's what we're owed. Fine. Uh, yeah, no, listen, I got no problem. I got no problem winning yeah. on a bad call. I got no problem. I got no problem winning on a bad call. Because guess what? Because guess what? Next week, Colts play the Saints. The Saints, penalties could go against the Saints that give the Colts a win. It's 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 just like that that happens in the NFL. It's fine. I don't care. Yeah, I don't care either. Uh, so, um, Chad, I want to talk about something fun that's been going on today uh, that happened tonight, like this evening before we came on. Well, you finally lost that unsightly body hair, huh? Oh, no, that's that is growing out like a squirrel tail out of the back of my pants. My no, God. I'm just, I'm just kidding. My I'm kidding. My God. Uh, all right. So this this we got to talk about, Chad. Oh God. We all we all kind of get excited because number four is back this week. Yeah. And we're told that he's back and he's healthy and he's fine and his arm feels good and all that. And it was clear from the very first play that he did not feel good. That he was not right at all. That arm didn't look good. He didn't yeah. feel good. His first throw was poor. Uh he had a he had a throw that I don't give him a lot of shit for because it was a screen pass that got blown up by the Colts defense. Right. Uh, his first interception was atrocious. Yeah. He was so late throwing the ball and had no business throwing it. Yeah. Uh, he eventually gets to a point where he throws another ball that should have been intercepted. That wasn't right. Uh, and he gets laid out on his back. Right. And Kevin Stefanski pulls him. Right. Uh, he went into the medical tent. He took a long time to get up. Right. But he went into the medical tent. 
and got cleared. He didn't have a concussion. That was the concern was that he slammed his head on the ground. And then the other concern was, did he hurt his arm? Right. Now we got told that he was cleared, but the fact of the matter is we saw this shit right here. Look at Deshaun Watson in this picture, right? This is what we saw after he got up. Yeah. Holding his dick. Hold- <laughs> oh, you mean the shoulder? You mean the shoulder? Oh, you mean the shoulder? <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> I like catching, I like catching y'all. Oh shit. <laughs> uh we saw that. We saw not holding his dick. We saw his his arms just not moving. When he comes out of the medical tent, we see yeah. him on the sideline with the with his with teammates and coaches, and he's and he's flexing his arm the whole time. He's yeah. not right. He's not right. Right. So I don't know. This sucks. Like, I want to be, I want to, I want to just let my inner fan out for a minute. This fucking sucks. I would rather have it that he had a torn labrum and had to miss the rest of the year. Sure. Like, I don't want, I would rather have him be hurt and us know what is hurt. Then this bullshit, we are day to day with this bullshit. And we, we've been day to day with this bullshit for a month. Yeah. We've been day to day for a month. Right. Right. We've been day to day for a month. This sucks. I would rather have him hurt and us know that he's hurt and have no expectation because here is, here's my paranoia about this, Chad. Sure. They keep saying he's day to day. And so I don't know if the Browns feel like they need to, I don't know if they feel the urgency to make a move to go out and get somebody because they think Deshaun could play every week. They did an MRI today and it was reported that there was no new damage found in the MRI. So again, now they're back to just day to day. Right. We don't know what this injury is. Right. We have no idea. We don't know when he's going to feel better. It could be another five weeks before he feels better. Sure. But in the meantime, we're we, the, the Cleveland Browns have had the worst quarterback play in the NFL. Right. Think about that. Sure. We're four and two, and we've had the worst quarterback play in the NFL. Sure. And we have no idea when our quarterback's going to be healthy. Right. This situation sucks. Sure. Yeah. And, and I, I, I don't know. We always talk about how Andrew Barry is just so smart and his front office is so smart and Kevin Stefanski is so smart. Right. And I, I just, I don't know if it's whether they feel like they have to protect and their $230 million investment. And it's an image thing for them because they don't want to look like fools if they put him on IR and make this seem like the worst trade possible. But you, you can't with this, with the way this defense is playing this year, you cannot waste a year of this defense, Mike, like you can't, because not to mention, because another thing you mentioned with this injury uh, that he's day to day, right? If he's right, if, if you keep if you keep trotting him out there before he's fully healthy, he wasn't mentally he hasn't been good like the the since last year, and and even through these first no. five six games he just hasn't been right. So he needs to be out there to get back to normal. But do yes. you want to put him out? But do you want to put him out there at seventy five percent? No, especially with the where he's at, where he's at mentally. So I, you have to make a move. And I, and that's what kind of, 
that's what concerns me. That's what like, I don't know if it breaks, it's like breaks my heart. It just, it's, it's, it's makes me so anxious about the future because you can't, you can't, you can't go forward with PJ Walker as your starter. Can you imagine a world where we're going to the playoffs with PJ Walker as our starter, Mike? No, because we won't win that many games. Right. Because I think that's not because yeah, because I don't think it's, it's, it's sustainable. It's just not. You no, have Cody, to make and- a move for somebody, and I've talked about this in the Slack channel plenty. Yeah, I, I go get go get any other backup. I don't care who. You can win games with Taylor Heineke. You can win games with Teddy Bridgewater. Those don't those names don't excite anybody. But no, those names sure don't make me go. Mm, they can I'd be rather, average. Yeah, I, those names sure don't make me go. Yeah, I'd rather have PJ Walker. No, no, no. I mean, I don't, any, any one of these backup quarterbacks can't cost you that much, but you're going to, but you mean to tell me you're going to sit here and, and, and sit in, sit in quarterback purgatory, just hoping that Deshaun gets back to the way he is with a bum shoulder on his throwing arm of all shoulders. No, I don't think so. And Phil, Philly just said it in the comments. Apparently you can win games with PJ Walker, Philly. This shit's going to run out. Yeah. You are playing with the worst quarterback play in football. You're not, and and this isn't like we're talking about playing with the worst quarterback playing football. Oh, Philly's being okay. All right, you're being funny. I don't mean to call out Philly. Then I want to take this back. He just put this up. Uh, it's not like you're playing with the worst quarterback in football and Nick Chubb, right? And Jerome Ford at this point, right? You are going to go into the Seattle Seahawks game if Deshaun Watson doesn't play with the worst quarterback performances in football. And you're and 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 a running game that doesn't really exist, right? You're not winning like that. You're not going to win like that. No, you are not going to win football games like that. The yeah. Cleveland Browns. This is the hard thing, and I I really don't fault Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski and crew because this is an injury that can't be quantified. Right. You don't know when he's going to feel better. Right. It, they do MRIs and he feels fine or they do MRIs and they come back with no new damage and there's no structural thing and they don't know what to do. So you got to hope he feels better. Right. But I, I will. Here's what I will say. Here's what I will say on Deshaun Watson. If they played Deshaun Watson, I don't want to see what they did again this week. If Deshaun Watson plays, he has to play. There's no babying him. There's no, there's no, oh, I, oh, God, we got to protect him five game. No, if you want to protect him, don't play him. If you want to protect him, he shouldn't play. Otherwise, if he's your starter and he gets hit and he's a little shaken up by the hit, you put him back out there because none of this solves anything. Having PJ Walker in these games solves nothing for the Cleveland Browns. Right. Right. Uh, I, there was an interesting comment from our friend Bronze Bandito, and I want to get to it. As we sit here right now, week eight of the NFL season, Cleveland Browns are four and two. Week eight. How would you grade the Deshaun Watson move? I like that question right now. D plus. I, it's it's bad right now. I mean, how could you grade it any other way? I mean, he hasn't he hasn't been what you what you traded for. 
he hasn't he hasn't played up to his contract. I how 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 could you? He hasn't been anywhere. He hasn't even been fifty percent of what Deshaun was. The twenty twenty Deshaun was. I, I don't. No, fifty percent. Well, I, I wish. I, I just, wish. I just threw a number out there, but he hasn't. He hasn't been anywhere near what the Deshaun Watson we traded for was. Uh, so yeah, no. It's if anybody, they, you are high if you think this is this has been a great move so far. Hey, uh, Bandito F. It's yeah. an F. This move has been an F. Right. And I and I am as I am as level headed as I think anybody. I said I'm not going to factor in last year when when accounting for Deshaun Watson because he didn't play for a couple of years, sure. and then he was into a new system and a new team, and sure. and they were already kind of bad. And I'm not going to I'm not going to judge him on last year, but I think if I'm taking the in total, it's an F. It's an F. It is an F. Right. And it sucks. And and here's the thing. And I want to be real clear on this. Am I mad that they did it? No. No. I'm not mad that they did it. Baker Mayfield sucks. Zook Duchango just put this up. I'm sorry, Zook, that I'm calling you out on this. Baker Mayfield sucks. He's never going to be anything more than a mid-NFL quarterback. And they looked at him and said, we need more than that. It's why I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be mad at them for making this move. I'm more mad at Deshaun Watson, or I'm more mad at just the the, the way the world works. Because this move has been an F. They went out and said, you need to have an elite quarterback to win Super Bowls. And that's the truth. you got to have elite quarterbacks to win Super Bowls. You can sit there and tell me all you want about Nick Foles. That shit doesn't happen all the time. That is the exception to the rule. You have to have an elite quarterback to win Super Bowls. And they went out and got a guy that they thought, oh, shit, this guy was elite. He's available. Let's go get him. Right. I would have done it again. Sure. Yeah. At the time, it's, at it's the an time, F. It, it made him, it made all the sense in the world at the time. It still makes all the sense in the world for where they were at. Sure. But it's an F right now. It's an F and it's, it's an F because, because of Deshaun Watson. Right. I'm not going to boo Deshaun Watson when he plays for this team. I'm going to cheer for him, but it's an, it's an F because that dude has not come back and performed the way he should have. We gave him last year as the buffer point. He, he didn't do shit last year. We gave him the beginning of this year as the buffer point. He looked pretty decent in the Tennessee game. It's the only time he's looked good. Right. It's an F. It's an F. It is an F. Until he changed. The only person that can change it is Deshaun Watson. Right. That's the only person that can change it. Otherwise, it's an F. God, I hate that. Ugh. And there's no way to get out of it. That's the problem. Yeah. I know. I know. So now not, we're sitting here with for another couple of years, right? Jack Duffin. Now, I know you're watching. Yep. Now we're sitting here. Yeah. He's watching in on in at three o'clock in the morning. Yeah, well, uh, it's the queen's hour. I don't know. Maybe he's up drinking. Now we're sitting here with prime miles Garrett and we'll eventually have prime Nick Chubb and you got Amari Cooper and you got all these great defensive players and you've got a quarterback that can't fucking do anything. That's it's more uh, brownsy than that. What's more brownsy? What's well, more? Well, cheers to that shit. Yeah, the right? Asshole of the week is the Browns. There we go. Week. There we go. Hey, real quick, Chad. Prediction: Browns Seahawks in Seattle this week. Whew. I, I think this is going to be a low-scoring game. I'm going to say Browns twenty, Seattle seventeen. 
I still think I still think I feel like I still think that if PJ Walker starts this game, the Browns can win this game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that defense. That's another thing. The next two games are very, very winnable, even with PJ Walker at quarterback. Yeah. Uh, Seattle has a, uh, they do well at turning the ball over sometimes. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm not afraid of their offense all that much. They've got really good receivers and their running games. Okay. But their offensive line sucks. Right. And Gino can make some mistakes and the Browns, the Browns defense can get him into some mistakes. Uh, the thing that scares me, Adam Tilly, second goal of the season. Let's go. let's go. Thing that scares me is um, I the the Seattle defense is good. It's really good. Yeah, it's a really good defense. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But I said Browns twenty one, Seahawks nineteen, and then somebody asked me, "So are you just saying seven field goals for the Browns?" Yeah, I think maybe. Yeah, yeah I think maybe. I think I might say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sounds good. Totally. Uh, all right, Chad. As long as they win, as long as they win, doesn't matter. Chad, it's ten thirty-eight. Cool. Uh, I don't know. Maybe give me one sentence. Give me one sentence on the last thing I had, and then let's just get the hell out of here. Uh, biggest game of the season so far for the Buckeyes, and they more than passed the test. Yeah, especially defensively. Defensively, they passed the test big time. Offensively, still some things they need to work out. But, but I do think I do think Penn State's defense is the best in the NFL. In the NFL too. Uh, oh God, in the, the Big Ten. With the NCAA. Wow, wow. No, not in the NCAA, but in the Big Ten. I think the Penn State has the best defense in the Big Ten. Yeah, I can agree with that. Sure, I can agree with that. So, but they may do. But yeah, defense played well. Offense, uh, yeah, still got to get a. You were more. They, they were more physical uh, in the running game this time than I've seen them all year. Uh, but yeah, they still they still need to work some stuff out. But uh, overall, uh, just an incredible effort against uh, against an elite defense, and you for the first time you made Drew look like a, look like a first year quarterback. He sure did, and uh, and getting the ball. And this is a great comment from Philly. They got the ball to Marvin Harrison. He was great. That too. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was great. Uh, I think Ohio State looked great. I think they deserve to be. Uh, and apparently, his dad likes Lincoln Kleinholes. So. Ooh. I think the top I think the top two teams in the country this year are Michigan and Ohio State. And, and that's wild. That's crazy. Yeah. That's wild. Uh that last game is gonna be crazy because uh Ohio State, there's not a lot. Uh they've passed all their big tests on the road at Notre Dame, a good game against Maryland. That's a good Maryland team. Uh, and this win at home against Penn State. Uh they've passed their tests and now they just gotta do what they need to do to get to Michigan. Sure. And then man, that game's going to be wild. That yeah. game is going to be wild. So I just wanted to bring it up because this was the big Ohio state game of the season. And I think especially defensively, especially defensively, they were spectacular. Yeah. 100%. I think defense was spectacular. I think offense was meh, but it's been a minute since we've seen a, an, a spectacular Ohio state defense and we saw it this weekend. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, listen, I think that's going to do it. We've been on, uh, it's 1041, been on about an hour and 40 minutes. So let's do our cheers of the week and then let's get out of here. So Chad, yeah. why don't you give me your cheer of the week? Uh, I'm going to go with Jason in Beverly Hills. Yeah. What? Yeah. yeah. Jason in Beverly Hills. I'm confused. <laughs> no, he was the designer of the Denver Nuggets championship ring. And uh, it was fucking sick. 
Like I, I've, I've never seen, I've never seen a ring like that uh, in, in between all sports right now. It was, it was, it was sick. So cheers to him for making a sweet championship ring. What up, Jason and B Hills? Um, so it's funny because I have it written down here, and then he just scored a goal. But my my cheers was Adam Fantilli. Uh, since the last time we talked, uh, and we had Adam Fantilli, the the Blue Jackets first round draft pick. Uh, we did like a special interview that we released as a video. Uh, we had him on the podcast uh, and got to talk to him before the first game. And last uh, over the last weekend, he scored his first NHL goal. And it was a game-winning goal, which is awesome. Uh, and Adam Fantilli now on the board again, uh, but he was my cheer of the week. Got to love that. Uh, getting the Blue Jackets a cheer of the week. And Adam Fantilli just did it again to give the Blue Jackets the lead in the third period against the Anaheim Ducks. So uh, my shout-out goes to Adam Fantilli. All right, anything else we got to talk about before we get out of here, Chad? Oh, yeah, I wanted to give you that uh, basketball trivia. Oh, all right, let's do it. All right. Are you ready? I stay ready. <laughs> Are you sure you don't want to get up and do stretches? I already stretched. Come on. All right, go ahead. All right. Uh, hold on. Wait. I got to get back to it. Wait if this is going to be like real random and weird, I don't know that I'm going to be good at it. <laughs> All right, let me see here. Wait. No, that's not it. Hold on. Wait. I got it. Hold on. Wait. Wait, wait. All right, here we go. While you do that, Zook Zuchenko says, I'm sure that goal made him happy because the Ducks did pass on him and he just scored the go-ahead goal in the third period against the Ducks. That's great. We'll just do we'll just do 10 of these. There's a lot of them. We'll just do 10 of them. Okay, Uh, let's do it. What year was the NBA founded? 1870, 1946, 1917, 1955. Oh, NBA. I don't think it goes back that far. What were the what were the middle ones? The what were the later ones? 1940 something and 1950 1940, something? 1946 and 1955. Let's do 46. Ding 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 ding. Let's go. Nice. How many NBA teams were created this millennium? Five, four, three, or two? Since 2000? Yeah. Oh shit. Teams that were created since 2000. Uh, five, four, three, or two? Yeah. Um, let's say. I don't know where the word count. I think the Pelicans we count. I'm going to say and uh, Thunder were created, although I don't know if that counts because they moved. Uh-huh. I'm going to say two. I'm going to say two. Three. Ah, who'd I miss? The Thunder, the Hornets, and the Grizzlies. Oh, what? No. The That's Seattle, not truth. The Seattle Supersonics became the Thunder in 2008. The Hornets All right. became the Yeah, Pelicans that's fair. The Vancouver Grizzlies became the Memphis Grizzlies in 2001. That's fair. If the Thunder counts because they moved from Seattle, then the Grizzlies count because they moved. But Vancouver was started in the 90s, so I'm kind of, well, I'm still wrong because then it would be one. (laughs) The Pelicans were the only one that were actually created. Sure. Who holds the record for the most free throws made in a row? Steve Kerr, Michael Williams, Reggie Miller, or Steph Curry? Did Steph Curry break this record? Um, why don't, I feel like Steph broke this record. Is it Steph? Michael Williams. Ah. Michael, Michael Williams made 97 free throws in a row for the Minnesota Timberwolves in 1993 over two seasons. Whoa. Whoa. All right. 
Which of these musical artists has recorded a song with Shaquille O'Neal? Jay-Z, Biggie, Michael Jackson, or all of the above? All of the above. All of the above. Let's go. Ding, ding, ding. All right. Ready? Yes. Ready? How many three-pointers has Shaq made? Zero, one, two, or three? Two. Two. One. Wow. Ah. He's only attempted 22 in 20 seasons. He shot 11 in his first four years in Orlando and hit one. Whoa. All right, three more. <laughs> what team featured both the tallest and shortest NBA players to ever play? Chicago, Washington, Boston, or L.A.? Washington. Washington? That's correct. Yeah, I knew that. No, that's easy. Who are the names? Give me the names. Oh, uh, Muggsy Bogues and Manute Ball. Let's go. All right, here we go. I love that picture. I love that picture of them next to each other. How many quadruple doubles has happened in NBA history? One, two, Ooh. three, or four? Um, three. Four. <laughs> yeah, Alvin Robertson, Nate Thurman, Hakeem Olajuwon, and David Robinson was the last player to do it. I did not know the first one. All right. All right, here we go. All right. Who has made the most... Oh, easy. Jesus, are you kidding me? All right. What is a territorial draft pick? Drafting a professional player from a foreign territory, drafting a location to build a new arena, drafting a player based on the country they were born, or drafting any player with a, within a 50-mile territory? I would say the first one. Drafting a player from a specific place. Drafting a player within a 50-mile territory. Oh, no way. Until 1966, the NBA offered teams the chance to forfeit their first-round draft pick and pick any player within a 50-mile radius of the team's headquarters before the draft began. Both wow. Wilt, both Wilt Chamberlain and Oscar Robertson were territorial draft picks. Wow, that's great. That's, right. that's great trivia. All right, let's see. Last one. Here we go. All right. Well, actually, no. Let's Let's make it quick, Chad. What Come on. Long, what is the longest NBA career ever? 21, 20, 22, or 18 seasons? 22. 21 seasons. Robert Son Perry of a bitch. Played 21 oh, seasons. And that really? is it. Yeah. All right. I did okay. I was close. Yeah. But I did okay. All right. That's going to do it. We're getting out of here. Uh, listen, we had a great time. The last thing we do every, every week is our thank you. So our first thank you always goes out to the OBR because they host us. If you're not following the OBR, make sure uh, that you are subscribed to everything the OBR does and make sure you get to the OBR.com and hit subscribe there for all the best Cleveland Browns inside information. Uh, our second thank you goes out to Tim Alcorn, the, the great voice of the Cavaliers and a good friend of ours. Tim Alcorn came on to talk all things Cavs with us as we get ready for the Cavs season to start tomorrow night in Brooklyn. Make sure you are tuned into that as it is Cavs season and I'm excited to get back into a drink and a Cavaliers recap after all the games. Uh, we're going to do that. Uh, make sure you tune into our TikTok for that. Uh, and lastly, as always, our thank you goes out to you. Whether you joined us here live tonight, the comment section was great. Thank you for everybody that joined us live tonight. Or whether you are joining us on the uh, uh, podcast variety or on demand, we appreciate your support. We love uh, and, and appreciate everything that you do watching us here on Garage Beers. Again, that's going to do it for us. 
Uh, go follow Joey Whalen, even though he wasn't here tonight, at Garage Beers. Joe, follow Chad at Garage Beers. Chad, I am Michael Keefe at Garage Beers. Mike, and make sure you follow the Garage Beers podcast on all the socials at the Garage Beers. Until next week for episode 187, we'll see you then. Cheers, everybody. Go Browns, go Cavs, go everybody.